0: Daryl, I'm going to buy a BB gun, and I swear to God, I'm going to kill every last fucking cicada in my yard. (laughs) I I don't think I could even hit, I don't think I've ever seen a live cicada. Uh Um, But I'm going to hunt them down. (laughs) I'm going to fucking, all day, bro. All day, just
1: like. I was gonna ask, it's a all day, it's not just a nighttime only thing?
0: No, bro. (laughs) 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 Fuck. It's brutal. Yeah. I'm going crazy. And we're back on lockdown, so I'm home all day. Listening Uh to these little bitches.
1: Wowie. Yeah, I'm not into it. (laughs) When is uh it's seasonal, right? When is cicada season supposed to end? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah.
0: I don't know. I might be trapped in like a John Paul Sarta play where the cicadas <laughs> drive me crazy. <laughs> like the mirror image of the cicadas are my personal version of hell. My existentialist hell.
1: Is it, it maybe a just... That um,
0: was a little John Paul shart, Sarta humor sarta, for
1: everybody.
0: Sartre Sart.
1: Sart. or Sarta? Sart. I always thought it was a two-syllable name. Me too. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Wait, has it been nonstop since you moved in? Maybe it's just a feature of the neighborhood.
0: I don't recall them being this vigorous Mm -hmm. upon first appraisal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Um, What's up? This is, are we, we're podcasting?
1: I'm podcasting right now. You podcasting?
0: I I mean, yeah. I don't think it. When does it switch over? I'm recording.
1: I'm definitely recording.
0: But when does recording turn into podcasting?
1: Easy in, easy out. Yeah, that's how it is in podcast podcast life. This This is the one, the only. Never imitated. Never intimidated. No one likes the tuna podcast.
0: Not anybody. <laughs> no one has ever or will ever like the tuna podcast, the world's premier dedicated fast and furious podcast. My name is Nick No Sarah,
1: and I'm Daryl Wong.
0: Mm. And this week we're going back to basics. Mm-hmm. Back to the original. We're we're back in sequential release order. And that means our week after our in-betweener of Point Break, we are watching, or have watched, The Fast and the Furious. The Vin Diesel and Paul Walker film directed by Rob Cohen from 2001. Gary Scott Thomas is the name I couldn't remember last week. Characters based on... So he wrote this movie, Gary Scott Thomas... Mm-hmm. And then every other movie has a story credit for him, which is like based on the characters created by Gary Scott Thomas.
1: Hmm. So, is that one of those where he was involved with the original, and then probably not in the rest of them? I think that what that that's what really means. That's my
0: that's my guess. Yeah, that's my guess. Mm-hmm. My guess is he just like wasn't. He was like a one and done. Hey, see you later. If anybody else mm-hmm. knows any better, I like I haven't read that anywhere. If anybody knows any better, let us know. Uh, how was your watch through? I want to get back to basics. I want to like get into the vibe of Fast and Furious. I want to know, Daryl, how was your watch through this week?
1: It was solid? I had I I thought so. We I watched it yesterday, and I thought about it. All day until today,
0: mm.
1: and there's one thing in particular that um, I've been sort of going over and over. So when you think about this movie, I think there's one. I think there's one thing that like stands out the most in terms of like car culture. Yeah, but I think there's a close second which I'd like to talk about today. Please jump in. so, so the first one is obviously nitrous oxide. Right when you think about these movies and oh, you think press two buttons and you hit NAS, but when I look back, I also think about undercarriage glow, neon lights that go under the cars, and I had to think about it
0: on this pod.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm Mhm. And I had to think about it. I was like, "All right." So my assumption was always that it was illegal, but. Mm Um, that's why you don't see it on the road that often.
0: I don't but. think it is.
1: So that's is the thing. It? I looked into it. It's not really, yeah. it's not really illegal. Um, so then I was like, all right, like, is there any, this is all for show, right? Is there any, uh, is there any practical feature to it?
0: purpose, yeah.
1: Yeah, literally, yeah, definitely no performance, but I think it's just for cool looks. Yeah. And yeah. it really depends what kind of car. I mean, would you put it on any of your cars?
0: i mean my triumph i have a triumph an audi and a corolla from a 99 corolla but it's a hatchback
1: Uh
0: uh-huh um i mean i guess the audi would be the closest i would do it but it's not even like a nice two-door like a4 it's like a boat you know and yeah it doesn't really have a long boy yeah it's a a long, long boy
1: What color? What color is your Audi?
0: It's like charcoal. It's like a. I mean, it's listed as black on my registration, but it's really like a dark charcoal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's got a nice little sparkle to
1: it. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. So, so imagine that car driving around at nighttime, having a good time with just like a nice, like purple underglow. Ooh, going like the sort of you jump straight to like the Mace
0: Windu style, like Samuel L. Jackson famously when he was doing Star Wars episode two was like, "Oh, that's me. I should shut off my fucking phone." Uh, he was famously like, "I want the purple one." <laughs> He's uh-huh, like, "Nobody uh-huh. has a purple one. I want want the. I want the purple one."
1: Yeah,
0: uh, which I think is awesome. Yeah.
1: That would be cool. Um, so, so if you wanted to do purple, you probably could. Mm-hmm. You probably could do it without getting a ticket. So there's a few main restrictions: is that um, it can't be it can't be red or blue, because those are typically law enforcement. I also read that it can't be green oh. either. Ah. You ever seen a green light before? Yeah, I see them here sometimes in Auckland. Hmm yeah, so green, I like I don't think I've ever seen it in real life, but it says that they use green in some places for like homeland security, like nuclear oil and gas like areas that need um, patrol. And they said I was reading oh, that, and they're like, "No about that. <laughs> it's like anti like anti-anything that can be um, like terrorist attacked, the patrols around there use green lights. That or I guess in like New York and Connecticut, they say that there are um, like volunteer ambulance services, and they use a green light.
0: Never heard of this before.
1: Me neither. I've never seen it on the road before, so I had to look into why. Siren capacity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not
0: buying it. The only, only, only viable. It's not even viable. But here's like. If I was a like New York State tr- Department of Transportation official tasked with coming up with reasoning why green shouldn't be allowed as an undercarriage light scheme I would say that green and roads per roads and highways green is the color exclusively demarcated for directional signage and and way and waypoint signage. Like mm-hmm. all, all the highway signage interstate is all green with white text. It's like a uniform and all the like mm-hmm. directional signage of like this way, that way, is all green signage. And so like two out of an abundance of caution we're gonna outlaw under green undercarriages so that there is no conflict in anybody's mind for potential confusion between the green of the undercarriage and some sort of directional capacity, right mm-hmm. or waypoint mm-hmm. sign. I think that's a fucking stretch. What I just said, <laughs> I think it's out. I, I, I would, I would laugh at myself if I had to write that. Mm-hmm. But that would be my excuse—the excuse of like. We use green sign I've never seen a fucking green siren in my life.
1: That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think it's so,
1: bullshit. I agree. So red, blue, green are legal. In New York you can use it's totally legal to have undercarriage lights, but it has to be white. And there's like a like a lumens um like limitation. It can't be like mm. way too bright, but you can light up the bottom of your car.
0: The lumens limitation wow. What? I actually speak okay and realize, and when I I listen to this podcast sometimes, I speak like a garbled, like, dumpster person. It's fucking terrible. Okay. The lumens limitation, I think it's smart. Right. Yeah, that seems reasonable to me.
1: Isn't there a lumens limitation on your front headlights as well? Like, you see people with those really bright ones. Mm, Aren't those illegal? The xenon.
0: I think maybe it's, called, uh, a I think bunch of it's the, too bright. Yeah. My Audi doesn't have it, but I think like 2006, like two years later, the Audis were like kind of the first perpetrators of like, you yeah, know, this is fucking blind, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like those, but I don't, I don't particularly think they're illegal in every, at least not in every state. It's not like a mm-hmm. nationalized system.
1: Right, So most of these Yeah, all of the stuff that I was reading Is for sure all state specific Yeah Vehicle lights. Yeah, I'm
0: not sure Auckland has like I see undercarriages all the time It has a little racing culture I don't know Where they hang out I would be down to sort of maybe <laughs> yeah. find out yeah. <laughs> yeah You know Um. But yeah, there's like you see. I saw like a tricked out WRX on the road today, like z- zooming up the sh- shoulder. <laughs> you
1: know, mm-hmm. Yeah, the that highway. guy would. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that guy would. He would and did. He would and he did. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would get one. Do you know how much it would cost? How much an undercarriage hmm. light system cost?
1: So, I don't know how much it cost back in the day. So, in the past, they would use actual, um, like gas filled neon tubes, right? And I mean, while it did produce like a very nice, sort of even glow, um, they would break and stuff because your car was obviously driving on the road. So, the modern kits are all LED. Astera
0: tubes, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. they're all,
1: they're even just they're just LED strips now. You just oh, put them cool. on the bottom of your car. Yeah, they're cheap. They're like yeah. fifty bucks. All
0: right, I can fuck with that.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: um, my watch through this week was, I mean, it was pretty good, to be honest. Yeah, I cranked out some work. During the watch through. I sort of had it on the second screen kind of thing. Cranked out some work. I'm writing a little bit again. Which I think is healthy for me. Just Mm -hmm. like personal stuff. So I was like in a very healthy space. You know what I'm saying? And like feeling like I was doing a healthy production. Productive thing for myself. And I had the movie on next to me. And it like kind of clicked. I was, like, clicking with the movie and clicking with the thing I was working on at the same time. You know this experience, right? Where it's, like, I'm sort of – I am paying attention to the movie. I'm not, like, totally zoned out of it. But also it's, like, for some reason, like, distracting a part of my brain that could be distracted by something else. And therefore, like, allows me to focus the other part of my brain on the work stuff. That I need to. It's sort of like this dual brain thing going on. Um, So, yeah, I had a very pleasant watch through. Um, And definitely thought a lot about Point Break during the watch Mm -hmm. through. And in regards to our discussion last week. And you and I, I think, agreed on the idea that, like, I mean, I put this out there pretty forcefully. (laughs) Maybe didn't let you get thoughts (laughs) as much. Daryl's giving me a little side eye as feel like no that never happens <laughs>
1: um, What are we talking about here?
0: The idea that like This is not like a beat for beat remake Like it didn't feel like that to me uh, It didn't feel like that to me last week When we were watching Point Break And then this sort of watch through Of Fast and Furious Reinforced that to me Like it just didn't really feel like A super point to point remake mm-hmm. One of the things I think Really helps distinguish it or I guess two things. One is the Mia and Letty characterization, where it's sort of like Lori Petty's character is a little bit more split off into these two dynamics. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Marius' character, like, she isn't as... She isn't as much like a useful tool... For Paul Walker, as Laurie Petty's character is for Keanu, like, he uses her as a, like, access point to the dead presidents in Point Break, right? And in this one, like, he gains access because, like, he builds a sick car and, like, rolls up to a thing and, like, races and jokes around. And actually, Mm -hmm. she gains respect for him for being sort of part of the world and then kind of being charming but also kind of not giving a shit too much and like understanding where priorities lay um, and they develop a connection sort of on a secondary level rather than the primary sort of point of access to the team and I think that's like a good change
1: yeah basically. that's a big difference
0: Yeah, and it what it does is it allows Mia and Paul Mia and Brian, to have, like, a real connection and real relationship rather than, like, their relationship as a mechanism for the plot. Mm-hmm. You know? Which I think is is, is good for Jan- Jordana Brewster, at least. Uh, the second thing I thought was a nice change was... um, I'm about to say something fucking heretical from my point of view. <laughs> <clears throat> you ready for this? Hit me. The Vince character is kind of the linchpin of this movie.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> I mean, I hate Vince. I hate Man Schultz. But? but you need him in you this need movie. Him and not only do you need him from the plot point of like he is the Factor in the last um, heist scene where like he gets fucked up and stuck on the truck, and Paul Walker has to save him. It's like he's a he's a mechanical piece in the plot there. But leading up to that, they developed it so much where like he's part of the team, but also is a foil to Brian. Right? He's the one who's skeptical all along the way. At like when when Brian first shows up when at the El uh, Gato at, Negro yeah. yeah, well, yeah, exactly uh, He's at the deli, he's at El Gato Negro And catches him out uh, at the party scene with the uh, mm-hmm. electric guitar brum, brum,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Yep, exactly So they actually develop their own relationship Throughout the entire movie In which Vince is skeptical and antagonistic Towards Brian the whole way through and it actually makes the last scene more meaningful and more difficult for Brian, where it's like, not only does he have to sort of betray his friend, Dom Toretto, and mm-hmm. his love interest, Mia Toretto, by revealing that he's a cop, but he has to do it in service of saving the life of somebody he who's been a thorn in his side the entire movie, because Brian cares about humanity and, like, people, you know? mm mm-hmm. Um. so Vince being there and specifically like Vince being in the team and being skeptical of Brian is a, a really good addition <laughs> to this movie
1: hell yeah
0: <laughs> rather than Point Break where it's like nobody in the dead presidents you sort of have these w- one side of the coin or the other right it's like uh, because Patrick Swayze is cool with Keanu, all the rest of the dead presidents are like, we're on board, no problem. Like, there just isn't that discussion or isn't that sort of foil character. And and then Patrick Swayze is actually the one who catches Keanu in the, during the chase, right? In the causeway where mm-hmm. he sees through the mask that it's Keanu Reeves. And then the other side of the coin is like, they do the heist. Keanu isn't quite sure if he knows it's him or not. And, um, you know, but Patrick Swayze has, like, a plan put together where he's playing this sort of other side of this thing. And it's all surrounding Swayze's character, which works, I think, for Point Break, um, really because Swayze's character and Swayze's characterization of Brody is, like, so well-formed. Mm-hmm. And we're so invested in his motivations and emotions and like um principles that we like care what Brody thinks at that point and like we're following what Brody Brody's sort of dynamic but i don't think i i don't know where i'm going with this but basically i think it works Mm-hmm. Well for this movie I think it was a good change For this movie And it makes a like And saving the reveal Of Brian being a cop To Dom And mm-hmm. being like This is Officer Brian O'Connor You know That like And then that scene where Vince <laughs> Like <laughs> I think saving um, that For the end is great Yeah
1: Sorry Uh, Yeah I, I definitely agree with that Like Vince's role allows um, it allows Vin Diesel, but it allows Dominic Toretto to sort of in, yeah, like he's very confident about the racing, but it also, like, he's worried about the family. He's self conscious about, like, the car. And he also has this underlying misjudgment of Brian that is able to continue till really the very end, second to last scene in the movie. That's possible because.
0: Well, it's not a misjudgment. You're talking about Dom or are you talking about Vince?
1: I'm talking about Dom.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Vince doesn't have a misjudgment. He has a correct judgment. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's in contrast to all of our later movies where Dominic Toretto knows everything. Yeah. Like, about everything. Can look at uh, tire marks on an empty road and sort of piece together a uh, crime scene. Like Yeah. That's the that's what that character Dom becomes, but um, in this movie he has sort of blind spots, which I think enhance his overall character.
0: I think so too. I think so too. Um, what else you got going on for your watch through this week?
1: Not much. That's kind of it. Most of yeah. my stuff was all around neon lights and undercarriage.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right, I got a couple <laughs> things. <laughs> um so I want to say like I said the positive change of Vince's character but I also think this movie in terms of its relation to Point Break does rely on the what was I think a trope at that point like or became a trope of like the cops using a young cop to infiltrate a sort of underground criminal organization kind of thing um
1: are you saying this is a new concept
0: for i don't know like where that i mean obviously like undercover cops is not a new Mm -hmm. thing for point break but is point break sort of the point at which it's like oh it's the young guy infiltrating like the young people Mm. you know like you had Serpico, which is an undercover cop movie, right? Uh, but that's not like the same that's not the same thing, right? That's not mm-hmm. like infiltrating this sort of young person's world with a young looking cop, which I think mm-hmm. is a real trope tropey kind of thing, you know? But I, all I'm trying to say is like I do believe the Fast and the Furious relies on the sort of framework that Point Break set up. Point Break has to actually go in and do this whole twenty minutes in the beginning with Gary Busey being like, "No, they're surfers, and like you Blue Flame Special, and you boys better get mm-hmm. in together, you know." And like, do you have a plan? And, and then like they go through the plan with you before Keanu even approaches Laurie Petty to try to sort of learn to surf, right? This one, it starts out straight up like after the first heist. It's like Brian is at the deli, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it's not till later where we do the switch reverse where we, the audience, see that Brian is a cop. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. um, I think po- Point Break existing in the world allowed the makers of Fast and Furious to sort of just jump in and be like, this is what you know – like we're not going to explain it. We don't everybody gets what's going on. He's a young guy. He's an undercover cop and he's been tasked by his superiors to sort of infiltrate this young person's world, right? Mm-hmm. So I think they have to credit Point Break in that way. Um Yeah, I don't know. That's my other mm. main point about this watch. Yeah.
1: Through. I have, I have an underdeveloped thought about it, but just the um like in that first twenty minutes, where they have to develop, like, oh, this is this is the scene, right? They have to make fun of the like, cowbunga surfer, California is the point vibe. Break you're talking
0: about,
1: right, right. Yeah. So they have to do that, and I'm trying to think if to what extent they have to do that in um, Fast mm-hmm. and Furious. Like, at what point do we have? So the yeah, at what point do we have like the FBI making fun of street racers? It's not until they pull them over. In front of, yeah, while he's driving Harry's truck. Bring him up for ice cappuccinos.
0: Right. Right. The ice cappuccino scene is the scene. Mm that like, they reverse course. Which is crazy. It's like, Ted Levine is there. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, I think, yeah, I mean... I just think they, like, owe a credit in that sense. I don't think they Mm -hmm. necessarily, like, owe a screenwriting credit to Point Break, which, like, people argue, basically. Not really, Mm -hmm. but, like, basically, like, they ripped everything off. I don't think that. I think that's our big point from the last two weeks. But I do think they owe a credit to, like, this sort of trope or this idea existing in the world or this framework of a young guy infiltrating young people's culture. Um. Uh, I think they owe a little bit of groundwork credit to Point Break for for sort of being such a force for that in the world. Mm-hmm. All right, I got one more thing I want to talk about. His name is Kenny Lindor.
1: Do I know this person?
0: Oh, you know him. Kenny Lindor is the guy who crashed Dom's dad's car.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Car. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I'm calling my shot right now.
1: You think he's going to be in Fast 9?
0: I think Kenny. there's going to be a Kenny Lindor connection.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: it's the great, like, missed opportunity so far in the franchise, right? Like, mm-hmm they sort of reached out and grabbed on to these little things around Dom's world and like brought them in and brought them back and brought them, you know, or especially and like they've done that with the bad guys too, where they've connected them from dot to dot, to dot, to dot, to dot. dot. Um, and like Dom's relationship with Elena was a thing. And then it went away and then it came back and then it raised the stakes and had a baby. So anyway, Mm -hmm. this Kenny Lindor piece, is sitting it's just sitting there Ooh, on a mantle yeah. like waiting for somebody to grab it
1: oh, that's so good
0: i i think here's what i think here's what i think john cena is dom's half brother
1: uh-huh uh-huh and
0: i think kenny lindor Fuck Dom's mom. (laughs) (laughs) That's why Dom and his dad, or, like, Dom's dad and Kenny Lindor had sort of, like, a rivalry. Kenny Lindor accidentally, on purpose, killed Dom's dad. Wow. Because of this rivalry. Uh, And... I think that Kenny Lindor is actually John Cena's dad oh my God. in Fast 9. Call him my shot. Call him my shot.
1: Nick, I feel like that's the hottest take we've ever had on a podcast before. <laughs> that's the hottest take we've had on the podcast. Oh, my Lord. That is good.
0: Yeah, man. I think it's going to, I mean, it would be good if that was the thing, right? That would wow. work.
1: That would definitely work. Just He's just a janitor, taking the bus to work. Mm-hmm. Has a spark of an idea. You know what? Fuck Dominic Toretto.
0: Yeah, fuck Dominic Toretto. Fuck Dominic Toretto, you know? And John wow. Cena is out to get Dom because Dom ruined Kenny Lindor's life by beating him half to death with a fucking wrench, right? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. gives John Cena this, launching point to be like i'm after you dom
1: even though mm-hmm. you're
0: my brother i'm after you
1: and it gets, and it puts john cena in a car and like it has the story ties itself together at that it point it
0: puts john cena in a car that
1: he learned race his dad couldn't race anymore but he grew
0: up And learned racing from his dad, you know. He's like, I used to have a father. My father taught me about cars. My father taught me about racing. And then one day, my father was beaten half to death with a wrench. And I didn't have a father anymore. You know, he was a broken man after that. You know? Wow. Wow. I think it's good. I think it's good. really good. I think it's good. All right, call calling my shot. That's what I think they should do. If they don't do it, you know. I don't know. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. pitch it for the next one. <laughs> Maybe by that time we'll be, like, so famous. We'll get all the <laughs> fucking Fast and Furious execs on. we be like, listen, yeah. boys, we have
1: an idea right now. There are these two nuts out there who've been talking about the Fast and the Furious for years now. Check mm-hmm. out this one over here. Yeah.
0: It's a good idea.
1: It's a very good idea.
0: Uh, another good idea would it be to do some shout outs.
1: Shout outs. Shout what would out. you like a shout out to this week?
0: I have this protein bar I've been eating for lunch every mm-hmm. day. Sort of switched it to like a pure bar form lunch. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a musashi, it's called M U S A. Musashi. Yeah, M-U-S-A-S-H-I, Musashi. It's a, uh, it's like a high-protein, low-carb bar. And I Mm -hmm. eat half of it around 11.30 a.m., and then I eat the other half around 3 o'clock p.m. And then I eat dinner later.
1: Wow, so that's a lunch substitute?
0: It's a lunch, well, for me it is. Yeah. You know? Interesting.
1: Do you have For to take me, it? I assume you have to take it with water or something? No. No. Straight Just protein. Bar.
0: Just straight protein bar. You know? It's nice. They got a couple of flavors. They got a peanut butter flavor, a dark chocolate salted caramel flavor, a mm-hmm. cookies and cream flavor, and like a brownie flavor. And nice. all are good. I think the dark chocs caramel flavor is my favorite. Um, but there, the the other benefit is like when I'm working, I just throw it in a bag, mm-hmm. got my lunch for the day.
1: Mm-hmm. If I'm
0: hungry, I pop it out, eat half of it. You know, it's like, I'm all about, you know me, I've talked about this, all about, I'm all about like, just like run of the mill, simple shit. Uh-huh. Whatever is going to make my life like an ounce more convenient, I'm doing that. And this is like a huge step in convenience for me. It's like mm-hmm. in the all I have to do is remember to buy it when I go to the grocery store, because it's expensive at gas stations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the grocery store it's like three fifty for a bar, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Or that's New Zealand dollars, uh, and so that's like two two seventy maybe U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the Gas station, it's six fifty a bar. Steep. So if I forget it one day, or I ran out, and yeah. I gotta buy it again, I'm like, just, ooh, ooh, yeah. you
1: know, you just gotta get them. You gotta buy them like twelve pack, twenty four pack.
0: I know, just buy a the box. But they don't even like your I guess I could like online order them in bulk, maybe, and get mm-hmm. a little discount. But at the grocery store, they're just three fifty a bar, and it's like it doesn't matter how many I could buy. Fifty of them, they'd all still be three fifty a bar. So
1: yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, there was a period of time where, like, yeah, like Cliff Bar saved my life a few times. Yeah, that's you what I'm carry one about. around with you, just like, oh my god, I feel like I need a, I'm gonna pass out right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, these ones are nice and big. They're like, they're like this big. Mm-hmm. Uh, people on the podcast. <laughs> dancing, dancing. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. They got like a nice girth.
1: <laughs> yeah, sounds like a Snickers bar, thicker yep. than a Snickers. Yeah, but bar. like a
0: fatter and flatter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, wider than a Snickers bar. About as long, Maybe. and a little flatter.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe like half a tofu cube.
0: Very much like half a tofu cube. <laughs> Maybe a little longer.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh, got uh-huh. it. Like got one it. and a
0: half tofu cubes long, half a tofu cube, half <laughs> tofu cube uh-huh. wide, and about one tofu cube thick. Not bad. If we're doing so, it in that kind of metric.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I'm estimating your sort of uh, your daily habits, you'd probably do like a pot of coffee... And then maybe yeah. – then you do half a protein bar at 1 and then half a protein bar at 3. And no, then half a
0: protein bar at 11.30 a.m. And then oh, right. another half at 3.
1: Yeah. You're running it thin, man.
0: I'm running it thin and light, and it actually feels great. Yeah. um, I'm feeling – yeah, I'm feeling like I'm spacing my shit out into like a little bit of like a smaller stuff. like. Mm-hmm. Coffee, coffee, half a protein, coffee, half a protein, dinner. Mm-hmm. And, like, that schedule feels a lot better than, like, coffee, 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 big lunch, <laughs> wait, wait wait, <laughs> wait, 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 huge yeah. dinner. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. That just – I'm sure somebody is going to be like, dude, you're crazy, but – It's not fucking working for me. I feel, like, energetic. I feel good. I feel flexible. I feel, like, in better shape than I've been because I'm doing a lot of yoga sort of coupled with it. So I'm getting Mm -hmm. a little leaner, a little meaner.
1: Good.
0: It's working for me. I'm pooping a lot. I'll say that. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, (laughs) I'm
1: pooping a lot. We got a half tofu break that goes in. Way more comes out.
0: <laughs> like us talking about more. Got it. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. We'll see All where it's right. so. and I do have green shit with dinner. Uh-huh. That's uh huh. Ellie uh makes sure of that. Mm. Uh we're growing on some spin well, I said we. She's growing some spinach in the yard. I'm having green spinach with dinner, I'm having bok choy with dinner.
1: Wow. Yeah. That sounds nice, man. It sounds like you got a good program going over there.
0: Yeah, they got a pretty solid program happening. Lean chicken breast for dinner. It's good.
1: Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing over here, but I, I lost a few pounds as well. Yeah, uh, man. People are talking about this coronavirus year. I'm now able to fit into pants that I like had given up on. I was like, oh, my God. I bought these nice pants a year ago. I was like, they're done. I can't wear them ever again. You haven't gained the COVID-19 I lost. I lost COVID five.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Good. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's good. You lost COVID five. I probably lost since last March. So, like, I wouldn't call this the COVID five because I haven't been necessarily like locked down like everybody else in the world has. Mm -hmm. Um. Probably a stone. Yeah. Which is fourteen pounds, something like that.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. So
1: another thing that you can do if you're mm-hmm. if you're on a diet program and you're trying to figure out what else you can do to enhance your life. My shout out this week is to touch up paint. Mm. And the paint roller. Because we mm-hmm. had a bunch of uh Basically my ceiling exploded um maybe 3 or 4 weeks ago our upstairs radiator blew out it was a big nasty mess
0: There wasn't a and fire or anything
1: No fire just that's water
0: water damage Hot yeah. water damage yeah that's mm-hmm. scary bro
1: Yeah it wasn't yeah it was pretty nasty stuff coming out but it was contained after a couple minutes Okay but we had a big nasty mess over here. We went out of town for a little bit, and then our landlord kind of had a handyman come patch everything. But mm-hmm. he needed, he was going to come back later to do like touch up paint. We were like, I feel like we can take care of this. So he left us some supplies, and we took it upon ourselves to not only touch up the ceiling and the wall, but also kind of everywhere else in the apartment because yeah. we have been just nobody's been here, and so we've just been like beating up this apartment for the past three sure. years. And it makes a huge, huge difference. difference. Yeah, huge difference. Yeah, because our yeah our walls we just like have we have a lot of bikes everywhere. They're moving all over the place and just stuff leaning all the time. But apartment's feeling fresh. Little good. bit of touch up paint, and that paint roller can really turn an amateur, no skilled sort of paint person like myself yeah. into a pro. It looks yeah. really good.
0: Yeah, I like to uh, roll it on heavy. And mm-hmm. then just go a little lighter over the top of Ooh. it. Just get the like the smooth out those little Ooh. dimples or like roll marks that it leaves. You know. Yeah. 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 The roller is a solid device.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can you imagine what Leonardo da Vinci could have done with a roller?
1: <laughs> Masterpieces. Masterpiece. Yeah. Masterpiece.
0: Uh, no, I'm a pro. I'm pro roller. Mm-hmm. I'm pro roller, and I see like the scenics on my jobs all the time, doing like incredible roller shit. Like we we rush stuff down all the time, you know, and like uh-huh. these guys are like these guys are amazing. Where they like they mix a rust that sort mean? of blend. Hmm?
1: You make it look rusty. Is mm-hmm. that what that means? Yeah, rust fake thing. rust
0: with paint. Mm-hmm. So we like makes oh. up. They mix a paint that's like sort of rusty color. Uh and then they like do this thing with the roller where they just sort of go along and like touch it and skip it and do it in spots. And it like all of a sudden you're like, Whoa! That thing's fucking rusty as shit. And then they like sometimes use a spray bottle and spray it down so Ooh, it like drips yeah. down the piece and it's like dripping rust. It looks great.
1: I'm gonna surprise my landlord with a little bit of dust rust effect. It's like oh
0: Yeah, my get that rust, they get is- that faux rust effect, you know? <laughs> Faux rust is the new trend, I think.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Get get some yeah. Get a faux rust um, wrap on the car. Maybe you hit it with an underglow. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounded good. Yeah. Roll up and uh, race for pinks. Like, uh-huh. got my pink slip. Everybody else is like
1: no i'm good. <laughs> We're good yeah cash cash preferred cash you can use venmo if you prefer you, you can use venmo venmo if you want we don't want that rust bucket <laughs> <laughs> that glowing rust bucket yeah yeah
0: um all right shout out to musashi and shout out to the paint roller and touch-up paint mm-hmm. having it around is good um Do you have anything else Fast and Furious-wise you
1: want to talk about? One more thing. Please. Fast and Furious Mm universe-oriented. The Tooniverse. The Tooniverse. I've been watching DC Universe movies recently, and I watched Batman versus Superman in advance of watching Justice League. Yeah. Guess who showed up in a fight scene? Our boy.
0: John... uh
1: Sung no. Kang. Oh. Sung Kang shows up as, I believe, an unlisted or uncredited uh, cameo, but he gets his ass beat by Batman in oh. like a warehouse. Is that true? Yeah. It's 100% true. I paused it, I looked back, and then I Google it later on. Sun Kang gets his cool. ass beat by Batman. Good for Batman him Batman in that movie. No lines. Yeah. No lines. He does get um, he does punch Batman in the face, and Batman gets hurt, and then um, Sun Kang gets stabbed in the shoulder and dead. Cool. But it's in he, that warehouse
0: like, scene where Batman beats up all those dudes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. but you don't see any of the other dudes, but you do see Sun Kang. So cool, man. They I mean, I'm pro Sun
0: Kang being in more shit. Basically, yeah. I can't think of a movie he was he's been in. Other than Fast and Furious and mm-hmm. Better Luck Tomorrow, um, yeah, I don't know. Speaking of uh, Korean actors, though, I did see Minari. Who's that? It's a movie starring mm-hmm. the guy from The Walking Dead, Stephen Young. Stephen Young. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, it's great. Everybody should see it. It's really sweet. It's about a, a Korean family who moves to Oklahoma or Alabama in the eighties to like start a farm. And it's like them sort of readjusting to life in nowheresville and it's really good. It's really mm-hmm. sweet. Their grandma comes to live with them and it's like the kid in it is super sweet. Everybody should go see it. Yeah. It's really, really, really good. Uh Alright, my last Fast and Furious related thing is every diner I've ever been to, if I ordered no crust on a sandwich, I feel like they would just like laugh me the fuck out of there. I'd be like uh-huh.
1: I'd be like, Yeah, no crust.
0: I'd be like, What the fuck are you talking about?
1: How? How how would we do that? How do you expect like, us to do what? that? What?
0: No crust? <laughs> This is crazy talk. Right. So I do feel like Paul Walker's order is so bizarre and specific. It's a nice touch for the movie, but it's like, is this a realistic piece? I don't think so.
1: Do you think the crust gets cut off before or after the sandwich is assembled? If you think about cucumber sandwich, it's after, but...
0: Yeah, I always say after just so that you have a uniform slice between the two pieces. Mm-hmm. But the other question is, like, is it toasted? Right. Which I don't think Paul Walker's is. Mm-hmm. Which is a amateur fucking move for a tuna sandwich. Like, that mm-hmm. tuna and mayo is just going to, like, soak into that non-toasted bread. Like, crazy, yeah. right?
1: Right. Yeah, especially, yeah, whether it's oil or water, either way, it's a... Have you ever had oil sandwich. tuna?
0: Are you an oil tuna
1: guy? I'm, not, I'm honestly not sure. I think I have. I think I've eaten it before.
0: I've never eaten oil tuna. The only thing I've ever experienced with oil tuna was buying it by mistake, opening it and be like, oh, what the fuck? This is oil? And like not mm-hmm. eating it, basically.
1: I remember it, I remember it tasting better. Because the, the water won't always taste kind of like logged out, dry. I check. I think we have yeah, some tuna like over it. here. I'm not sure if it's oil I'm or I'm a water, water
0: guy. If anybody out mm-hmm. there is
1: an oil tuna guy,
0: or an oil tuna <laughs> lady, or an oil tuna non gender person, mm-hmm. fucking let us know. I want to hear your experience with oil tuna at Nolt Podcast, N O L T T Podcast. Yeah. Uh, you can email us about oil tuna at no one likes the tuna at gmail dot com. Uh you can join our Patreon and give us a little insider insight on the Patreon, no one, uh patreon.com slash no one likes the tuna podcast. We're on Instagram if you want to send us an insta story about oil tuna. Instagram, uh, no one likes the tuna podcast on Instagram. Also, if you want to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're at, and let us know your thoughts about oil tuna, please do so. Uh, it really helps the show, and um, we need as much oil tuna input as we can get
1: for sure. So, <laughs> really looking forward to those sandwiches, everybody.
0: Yeah, man. Uh and I'm looking forward to talking to you next week about Too Fast, Too Furious. That's gonna be it for us this week, huh?
1: That's a wrap. Till next time.